2: again by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up, center! Perry! Scoot! Corey Perry! Well, able to shake away from Solani, it's given away to Salani.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Forever Mighty Podcast. I'm Patrick, and Eddie is with me tonight. Jason on the IR. Apparently, man, he's uh, not able to speak or think or do anything. So he's, he's not able to join us tonight or last Sunday.
2: He's on, well, he's on the IR with an illness, right? So
1: I mean, whatever you want to call it, right? He's still working. He's which, just...
2: which in the NHL means you have a concussion.
1: Yeah, oh, well, that's true. What if he's just really hung over? I wonder if he's just really hungover, and that's and that's why he's not here tonight. I'm just curious. He plays a lot of hockey. I mean, you never know. You never road know. These, these goalies. Vegas. These goalies, he had, road,
2: he had a road game in Vegas. And uh, he's,
1: feeling, uh, <laughs> he's feeling a little under the weather. He got, got, he got the Vegas, Vegas flu. Ed. Yeah, he would love that. That's probably what he would say if you he heard us talk about this. But uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us here tonight on Wednesday. Um, we've got a lot to talk about, man. And we're definitely going to talk about Spitgate. Which has uh,
2: been going on damn since... Damn it, that's what I should have named it. Well, you, 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 I told you the title for the podcast, and then you bring out Spitgate when we're already live. Oh, you can change the damn title when we're done. Not a
1: big deal. <laughs> Are you All just right. upset because yeah, I, expect, it's... It's, I stole your thunder on that one? You're like, oh, dude. Spit-take.
2: So I thought the spit take was pretty cool. And then I was going to go with Garnet Hawkaway. And then, uh, then you bring out Spitgate. I like Spitgate better. I like Spitgate better, too, and you saved it. Uh, you stole my thunder on the show. <laughs> I get it.
1: Well, you were right in a sense. Let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the Caps and Ducks. 5-2 um, to two loss for Anaheim on the road in D.C. against the hottest team in the NHL right now. Um, the most stacked team in the NHL right now, I feel like. They're just... They're on fire. Uh, everything's been going well for them. They're on some ridiculous streak. I wish I, I should have had the damn streak up on how it's well they It's not as doing. ridiculous
2: as the Islanders streak. The Islanders have like a 15-game point streak yeah, right Yeah, but they're now. not
1: good. They're not good.
2: But they they're, are.
1: They're not good. No, they're not. I'm going to hold on to that one for the whole season. <laughs> they're not a good trance. team. They're,
2: they're not as good <laughs> as, the, as the Washington Capitals. I was I was uh, like 80% right on this game. I said the Caps would win. And I said it'd be yeah. like a high-scoring game, but I said the Ducks would keep it close and maybe win it overtime. Yep. And I feel like it could have got that. It could have got there, but the Ducks just didn't really get. I was gonna say they didn't really get too many chances, but they just didn't bury a lot of the chances they had. Like Braden Holby didn't have a great game. He wasn't excellent in this game, but uh, the, the Ducks just really couldn't cash in on too many of their chances. Like you look at the goal they scored, uh, Sam Steele's goal, it's off a rebound, empty net. Nick Deloria, like, flubs the puck and it goes through five-hole on on uh, Braden Holtby. So, not the prettiest goals.
1: No, and uh, I don't know, man. I thought they were going to come into this game with a lot more fire under them, scoring-wise. Not talking about the second period, you know, destruction that we, uh, we saw happen at the end of that. But overall, the feeling in this game, I, I thought we were just going to see a much stronger Ducks team come out and compete. And, you know, you let a goal in 50 seconds into the game, it's just like... That's just so deflating, and I don't know. I guess that kind of speaks to volumes here, as we've talked show and show again uh, without Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson. Uh, Defensive, this Ducks team's just out of sorts, off and on. Right? I mean, you get some decent games where they're pretty competitive, but then you have games like this, and then you have games like Saint Louis, which they probably should have lost
2: if it wasn't for John Gibson. So yeah, just John oh, and Gibson Derek Grant. And, and yeah, yeah, and Derek Grant converting on <laughs> <and Derek> scoring <laughs> t- chances <laughs> and secondary scoring, but. Yeah, yeah, it, it's one of those ones where it probably shouldn't have been five two. I think the, the Caps deserve to win that game, nonetheless. But I don't think, and, and I, I think what one of those five was an empty netter, right? Yeah. So, stupid Tom Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a two goal game, and I think you know four two is a, is a fair finish for the way that game played out. Um, as much as most people don't like. Or was it just a Travis Boyd, his goal? The, I think the 3-2 goal after the yeah. fight behind the net and the whole spitgate thing we'll get to. Uh, I think that's a fair goal. I think that's a goal that should count. And I mean, Do you want to get into that now? Did we have anything before that? Or do you I mean, it's the elephant in the
1: room, man. It's the elephant in the room. Although there is some news um, about people being scratched,
2: right? Right. You can Mahura talk about and Terry that, were scratched. Very curious.
1: Very curious. No, no, no.
2: no. Mahura was Mahura curious. was scratched. So, okay, so I got to clear this up because I never asked you or Jason. So after we talked about this on the podcast, I think you and me both agreed Troy Terry getting sent down would not be a bad idea. Correct. And then was it you or Jason who tweeted out that you couldn't believe that Troy Terry got scratched for this game?
1: Oh, I said it was curious decision for both those guys (laughs) to be scratched. I wasn't Uh, blown away by it. Um, I just felt like being scratched is one thing being sent down is another and I did make a mistake on that which I was corrected on online but uh the goals have Sitting a long Terry break till and
2: Mahura just doesn't make sense. It
1: doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's why sit him. Like let him play. Like okay, why is Mahura scratched to begin with Jacob Larson's been trash.
2: Okay, uh, Mahura, yeah, I agree with that. Mahura was Mahura should have played over Jacob Larson, but Troy Terry getting getting scratched I'm not like I, I, I that made sense to me that that was uh that Did was it? one I could get behind really yeah it made sense well I mean like Nick DeLore probably shouldn't play but it, are you gonna play Troy Terry on the fourth line like I felt Devin Shore in the couple games he's finally played since coming back from being a healthy scratch <laughs> he's not really he's driving
1: like, play either he, he hasn't been he's great. not
2: but give him a shot and and not like Troy Terry's been doing anything over the the long stretch that he's been playing so I felt like at that point, you know, Max Jones has been scratched this year and Maxim Comtois has been scratched this year and Andre Cash had just got scratched for having a bad game. Troy Terry's had a stretch of bad games and it, I think it was about time he got scratched and and I think getting sent down is more drastic than being scratched. I think being scratched, I, we probably see Troy Terry and... Uh, for the next game, so I'm I'm not too surprised. I, I think this is the first step. I think that's the tweet I put out after that was this is kind of the first step into him maybe getting sent down if he comes back in and has another few bad games. Then I think then the next logical step for him is to go down to San Diego, and like we discussed in the last show, maybe we see you know Kiefer Sherwood or Daniel Sprong come up, who both deserve to come up.
1: Which let's let's get to that in a minute. We got to talk about the game here. I, I still stand like I was. Cool with scratching Troy Terry, not a problem at all. But I mean, I only feel like I feel like it shouldn't have been a scratch. It should have been like you send him down to play, and then like I was saying, I realized the goals have a long layoff; they don't play again until the weekend. So having him sit for those amount of days uh, and being on the opposite side of the country didn't really make sense. So it is what it is. I still think that he's going to go play for San Diego at some point. Man, he's got to get some sort of confidence back um i would think i'm not a you know i'm not a coach i don't know what what the ducks coaching staff is thinking in that point but um he hasn't really put it together yet
2: but neither have any of the kids so i yeah it's not a sense it's not a sense of sending troy terry down to the nhl to see what he can do down there uh jay northcott brought up in our in our chat here saying like it doesn't make sense because we already know what he can do in the ahl yeah i mean that that's that makes sense, and I understand what you're saying there. But the point of sending Troy Terry down isn't to see what he can do with San Diego; it's to kind of wake him up a bit and say, "Hey, like what what's going on? in the production you have right now with the with the big team in the NHL is it's not good enough? You know, f- what eight points in twenty three games so far this year, twenty one games? Mm-hmm. That's I know it's four. I think it's only it's four, four points. points four That's points. Four points. It's two goals and two assists. That's Nowhere near what we expected him to be at. I think we said if he had doubled that right now at eight points, that's decent. I think you would expect him to be finishing, you know, right now around 10 or 11 points if if he was going to be at where I expected him for the season. That's a pretty far stretch from where he is now. And I think, you know, we saw last year, you sent him down to San Diego when he was struggling and came back up and he looked great. Why not try it again? It's not hurting anything at this point. He's, he's not getting it done at the NHL level. So send him down. And uh, hopefully he gets a nice confidence boost from playing well down there, which is why he got sent down there last year. And then uh, hopefully he comes back up, gets another chance in the top six, and plays well.
1: Yeah, and you know, it, like he's, it's it's just it's exactly what you were just saying. He doesn't have anything to prove in the AHL. It's more or less like go down there, get your game together for a game or two, come back up. Right? I mean, that's that's just how I feel. It, it, it could go for him. Um, we'll see. Maybe he plays on Thursday. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas Acres puts him back in on Thursday. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the game, and we can get to more Terry, uh, <laughs> more Terry talk, and who could replace him pulling up from uh, from the goals in a bit. But we got to talk about the craziness that happened at the end of the second period. Um, it all kind of seemed to start boiling midway through the second period when. Uh, I think it was, was it Lepsic and Gouley? Gouley caught Lepsick with, like, a butt-in fist off a face-off, it looked like. No call on yeah. the play. Gouley seemed to not know what the hell happened. But, I mean, it was clear in the replay. Like, he came right over. Uh, whether he meant to or not, maybe just moving for position. But clips him. Then they start to go nuts at the whistle. Nothing really comes of it. Um but then you just get all this craziness when you know Wilson blows up DeLaurier, which the broadcast tried to say was interference sure but if you watch the replay Delorie wanted that hit like you see this replay he's like looking straight at Wilson he's charging right at him too yeah, he probably tried
2: to uh, reverse hit just uh DeLaurier's a big kid but so is Tom Wilson you get you got that type of speed behind you you're not gonna you're not gonna reverse hit a no. guy that size
1: no and Tom Wilson's a big dude i think he's 6'4 6'5 um, yep. And then Lepsic runs Gabranson, and then Gooley turns around and gives him several short cross checks to the back, um, and then it's like Hathaway blows up Derek Grant, and you know Hathaway he gets the pucking and he blows up Grant, and so then they get up and start mixing it up. Gabranson tries to get to Hathaway, Everything's just crazy here, um, but somehow out of all of this, the referees just don't want to let the guys go and tie these guys up. Gabranson's got. What, a fistful of – he had a fistful of of Hathaway's jersey, right? They're barking, getting ready to throw. Yeah,
2: Hathaway – Hathaway uh, elbowed uh, Grant in the face on the ice Pretty hard
1: after he decked him. He got a
2: couple of solids in there. Yeah, that – you know, we get on players like Wilson and Ryan Reeves for being dirty, but I – I don't want to say I've never seen them do that, but that's where you kind of cross the line from being like a physical on the edge type player to just being a dirty guy. Like you're taking it over the edge. I know the game's getting heated, but you've already got the guy down to the ice. Clearly there's a size advantage there. And then Hathaway just decides to, to give a couple of elbows to that head. And that's where Grant got real pissed off too. Yeah,
1: and you know, Grant gets up off the ice, kind of goes away. Um Gabranson comes in pissed off, grabs Hathaway. They're you know, for whatever reason, the referees or linesmen just don't want to let them go. And and that's what I'm going to say about it right here is this is my problem with this entire thing. We're not going to see someone get spit on if the linesmen let the guys fight. If Cabranson and Hathaway are allowed to yeah. throw down, it, it, no one's spitting on anybody. It's
2: Cabranson it, and Hathaway. Let them like, go. These, why are you stopping that fight? Like, right. it's not like it's it's Ovi and Getzlaff or something like that where, I mean, those guys can handle themselves. Don't get me wrong. But I can understand maybe trying to stop that fight for the sake of the game. But it's it's Eric Branson and Garnet Hathaway. Like half of the reason those guys are on the ice, specifically in Garnet Hathaway's case, is if a situation like this arises to fight like that's why they're there. And, and I mean, in, in the same sense, you could say same goes for, you know, Brandon Leipzig and, and Derek Grant. They don't fight as much, but they're fourth line tough grinder guys like that's essentially their type of position as well. So, yep. I don't know what the refs are doing there. It's, it's basically the fourth line for both teams are out there. I don't know why it was split up. And that, yeah, like you said, that leads in part to the spit from, from Garnet Hathaway. His uh, explanation after the game is just oh, ridiculous. Jesus. But uh, yeah. before we we get into the spit and everything, I want it. The one p- thing people were talking about, I think, a lot more than anything other than the spit was Leipzig apparently running eric and branson and, and how that should have been a penalty and, and if that goal should have counted i feel like it was a like borderline charging you could say but it was like from a couple feet out and it was a clean hit and i think like in terms of that being a good goal i think it should have been a good goal i think the ducks it's the it's on the ducks there to not react that way and to keep playing hockey and they end up allowing a you know a three on two a clean shot in front for for i think what was it chandler stevenson yeah and
1: by the way Garnet Hathaway got the assist on that, the primary. He's the one who dished it from the corner out to the slot, leaving – yeah. who was in front of the net at that time? I don't remember. Uh, someone on the fourth line, Carter Rowney, was in front of the net or in front – in the slot. Yeah. A no-man's land and just beats Gibby with a high shot to the to the far side. What To you begin do? with,
2: I, why do you have uh... – Good Branson and Gouley down behind the net. I don't know why that even was the case to begin with. You have both of them down there, uh, but yeah, I mean that's on the Ducks. I, I think in in terms, just we can get out of the way before we move into this other discussion on on Hathaway and, and Good Branson and what happened between them. Uh, I think it was a good goal. I think it was a clean hit by Leipzig and maybe a little bit of a run, but nothing that I think you should get a penalty for. Uh, and it's on the Ducks there, I think, to not react that way and to you know after the whistle sure you know another play or whatever get some revenge later on uh, but that's a play where you have to realize that you know there's still hockey going on there's a uh, now a, a three on two in the slot you're leaving your goal goaltender out to dry and, and you're distracting your goaltender like john gibson does not seem like he's fully engaged and ready mm. for that shot i think he was no. confused that if the play was going to get called it wasn't a great shot by stevenson and i think again like i don't think Gibby was ready for that I think he was a little bit confused with what was going on behind him and if, if the play was going to stop or not and uh, ultimately like the, it's a good goal it should count it's just a, a tough one for the Ducks to swallow
1: no it definitely is and uh what are you going to do there you got to play to the whistle and you can't stop yeah. playing hockey I mean all the all the tough stuff and all the stuff that happened I like it I like seeing the heat I like seeing all that has got that kind of stuff go on I like these guys being passionate it's a physical game um the hit by Leipzig on Derek Grant I didn't have a problem with it whatsoever. I felt uh, Grant got caught with his head down. It took a clean shoulder check, and that caused all the melee. I mean, look, I mean, I've talked about it for. I've been talking about it for years. Hockey is supposed to be physical. It's a good hit. Like, why is everyone gonna fight after a good clean hit? Right. I just don't see it. uh yeah. The need to fight at that point, you know, go over and uh, and figure out who ran you, and go and, and go give him what? one later.
2: I think there's clean hits where you can say like if a guy gets hurt on a clean hit, then you could fight after that. But like, Derek Grant didn't get hurt. No, he'd be and yeah. No. Leipzig, he... When Leipzig ran Goodbranson, he didn't get hurt. No. Like it wasn't, you know, malicious. It wasn't uh, an intent to injure. There was there was no question about it. It was just a hard hit. Yeah. And Leipzig Leipzig clearly wasn't going to play the puck, but the puck was in the stick of Goodbranson, and and he gets nailed for not having his head up and not looking at who was coming from uh, from the slot. So that's on him. And, 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 you know, I get it. The game was kind of boiling over at that point and, and things happen when you have, you've got a bunch of tough guys and, and, uh, you know, some fourth liners out there. Like that's again, part of their role. So that's going to happen. But, you know, at some point uh, the hockey has to kind of come first.
1: Did you see the spit when it happened? I didn't see it. I I didn't see it till the replay, The camera cut Uh, right before they go back and reviewed it. So to bring you guys up to speed, if you haven't already seen it all over Twitter, all over the internet, everywhere, um, Gabranson and Hathaway locked up, and Hathaway has no helmet on. Gabranson and him are barking at each other, trying to get free. Linesmen are in between them. Um, and then Gabranson delivered what some have said on Twitter was a sucker punch. I don't know oh, if any of yeah. you have ever sucker punched anybody, or seen a sucker punch, or been sucker punched. You don't see that punch coming. Now, it probably shocked the shit out of Hathaway that he got knocked with one because he got him really good. It was with. He had his a fistful of jersey and rocked it back and just totally gave Hathaway a good shot. But they're facing each other. It wasn't from behind. He didn't get Bertuzied. It was nothing of that sort. It wasn't wasn't a sucker punch whatsoever. Um, but then Hathaway goes down, it looks this way, then looks back and just gets a nice thick loogie and spits and then I think it hit part of Gabranson's face or neck area. Yeah. I didn't see that. All I saw happen was Branson immediately trying to throw, like, just throw knuckles in between the lines. But I'm like, what is, What are you doing, dude? You're going to get kicked out. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I, mean, I didn't see he got I, spit I th- on.
2: I think that's pure frustration on, on the sense that Hathaway just wanted, like, he wanted to go with Branson, especially after that sucker punch, as people are calling it, or especially after getting rocked like that, which I completely understand. But save it for later, man. Like, you're gonna see this guy later at that point you both were probably just getting a couple minutes for roughing there was no fighting or anything at that point you weren't gonna get kicked out of the game and the spit is what takes it overboard because once once hathaway spits and and they figure it out and they give him five and ten they've also got to give good branson five and ten for his you know his play in that part if you're gonna send uh, hathaway off you're gonna send good branson off and you've just taken it to a weird place at that point like you can but Hathaway, Hathaway got a uh, a match penalty. He was done. Yeah, he got five and a ten. And yeah. and branson got a five and a ten, didn't he? Yeah,
1: he got he got a misconduct, not a match penalty. So match penalty oh, means okay. you don't come back. Yeah, he's he was barred from coming back into the game. But there was there, I mean they were both gone for at least seventeen minutes anyway. I don't think Gibbons played a shift in the third. Maybe a shift in the third. Um, it, but I mean they play again like Jimmy just said in chat December
2: sixth. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hathaway would be back from his three-game suspension for spitting, which was, uh, like, I don't know if he should have got suspended. Let's, because this is a question. I, you Did you put this question we had from Instagram? Yeah, I think Jimmy, it's a good time Jimmy asked it, it,
1: actually. Jimmy's the one who asked the question. So we can get to it right now.
2: We had a question. Well, we had a question that compared the spit to the Oscar Sundquist uh, run on John Gibson. Mm. And say, and, you know, Oscar Sunquist gets fined for, again, he was trying to get out of the way, but he shouldn't have gone in that and put himself in that position to begin with. And we also put some blame on Gibby for that. But Oscar Sunquist got what? He got a five in that game, or no? Sunquist got two minutes. Two minutes. Okay. Yep. So he got a penalty in that game. Uh, we agreed he probably should have gotten something a little bit more. And uh, maybe at least a one game suspension for that. But I think because At maximum uh, a one game
1: would have been yeah, fine with yeah
2: yeah yeah exactly and I, and I think you know if John Gibson got hurt then maybe you could argue a little bit more on that but I feel like that's worse than this and I, I I don't know if it's just the egregious nature of spitting on somebody and how gross that is and how weird that is and and how kind of over the line and they don't want that in the game but I I I feel like like the Oscar Sankwist thing is worse well like, okay that's put it perspective more dangerous too
1: uh, Nick Foligno clipped Belmare in Vegas. Clipped him in the chin, headshot. I oh, think yeah. the league suspended him three games.
2: Yeah, and and Nick Foligno felt sick after that. Like and he was, he's never been weird. suspended prior. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like again, this is a weird case, so it's hard to judge it against others. But like, I have no problem with him getting suspended or getting suspended for three games. It just like brings the, the weird problem I have with it is the Department of Player Safety just being like super inconsistent on suspensions they're handing out and i know it's hard to be consistent on like somebody spitting on somebody because that yeah. doesn't happen often but then when you start comparing it to other one and two or three game suspensions and and you start to see not only how far off they are from each other but how weird this one is in comparison to those like you just brought up that uh that nick felino one on like he got suspended three games for something that was pretty bad. And then now you've got Hathaway getting suspended for three games for spitting on somebody. Like you, I doubt he would do that again, but it's almost like you find this guy and maybe suspend him for one game and say, if you do it again, then we'll suspend you for more. It's not like he spit on somebody before. Right. So uh, I don't know. And like, yeah, like Jimmy's bringing up in the chat, the Marshawn, like did Marshawn get suspended for licking somebody the first time he did it? I don't think so. I don't think so. He got like a warning. You did it like three times and then you got a warning. Well <laughs> And that that's worse. Well I think that's licking is disgusting. licking
1: is actually I don't know.
2: Let's licking is worse. Licking, licking is, is worse, worse for
1: the guy, probably for the guy licking. Like if you're Brad Marchand, why do you want to taste another sweaty dude's face? Like that's really yeah, but rank. Like,
2: dude, sh- like spitting is like That's like an off the cuff thing. Like you're like, But there's the like, there's no like repercussion like, towards you. If you like, spit like,
1: on somebody, you don't have to taste that dude.
2: No, I know, but I I mean, like, if you're, like, that's a natural, I don't want to say it's a natural thing to happen, but I feel like out of rage, that could happen. Like, somebody could do that, right? Like, that's not inconceivable to say somebody could spit on somebody if they're angry to a certain point. It's weird, and it's over the top, but it's, like, I, I can agree with it. Like, I can understand that it can happen, but licking somebody, like, that's that's like methodical. Like you thought of that and then you went through with it and did it. It's like, it's not off the top of your head. You're like, you're not just randomly like, oh, I'm so mad. I'm going to lick this guy.
1: All right. So <laughs> here's, here's the reason why
2: this is different.
1: NHL rule 23.8 specifically states the following list of infractions can result in a game misconduct being pe- penalty being assessed. Interfering or striking a spectator, Mike Milberry uh, racial taunts or slurs, uh, or spitting on or at an opponent or spectator. So, specifically, there's a rule in the NHL, you can't spit. And that's a game misconduct. So, they have
2: to add licking a player to that now.
1: They have not added it. So, that's going to be something that, uh, that,
2: that needs to happen, right? I mean, they need to figure that out. <laughs> I mean, if it's in the rules, it's in the rules. But he did get a 5 and a 10, so the three-game suspension, again, is kind of... It feels like over the top. Like we've talked about before, getting a five and a ten and getting actually kicked out of the game. Sometimes they count that as a one game suspension. Yeah, if it's early you enough know?
1: in the contest, you're not going to have right. Uh...
2: But but sometimes they they do, and and then also going out and suspending him for three games. I, I don't know if the you know his role as a player kind of comes into play there, and maybe if it's Ovi or somebody else, they don't give him three game suspension for that. But it it seemed a little over the top. And and I get it's it's a weird situation and it's tough to gauge, but yeah, three games felt like a lot for, for that.
1: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. At the at the end of the day, I, I blame the linesman for uh for causing inappropriate actions. It's still on halfway to not spit. But if the linesman just let these dudes go and fight, they would have only hurt each other. It would have been the end of it. Um, a good fight. Yeah I I think Gabranson's winning that fight. I don't I don't see. I mean,
2: Hathaway's uh Hathaway's a tough guy though. Yeah, he I mean, is I a tough Kibson guy. I think Gabranson probably wins that cuz I think yeah. Gabranson's the bigger guy. He's a big boy. But, yeah. Doesn't mean he can't yeah. take
1: it. Doesn't mean he can't get you know, get a shot in on Gabranson just cuz he's taller for sure. But uh yeah. so there's Spitgate. Um the rest of the game the Ducks tried to claw their way back in it at that point it would be 3 nothing and then it was 4 nothing and then uh Sam Steele gets a goal. And we got to talk about yeah. Sam Steele for a minute here because he scores on the power play.
2: Probably one, I think, Braden Holby would want back, wouldn't you say? I would say so. I think Braden Holby probably wants both back in this game. Sam Steele, did. was it this game or the other game he hit the post too? And then there was one game he scored, but it wasn't his. Oh. Like deflected it or something. He's come close at least. That's what I'm trying to say is he's come close in the last few games to – finally getting his first and he gets it here which is nice that he it's an added bonus he got it on the power play too because we talked about him being a p- potential weapon for the ducks as a left-handed shot in the power play either him or adam henrique or max jones so it's nice to see him get on the board i mean i hope it continues from here i know he's more of a playmaker and that's likely we're gonna see what we're gonna see from him but he i think he has long term uh, on, on the highest of high ceilings for him a 20 goal potential i think he has that ability
1: uh yeah, if he's able to get his act together in here, I mean tonight or on uh, tonight. On, I am so used to doing post games. Uh on against the Caps, I mean, Devin Shore hit missed a wide empty, or wide open net on that play. Hits the post and then Steele comes in and cleans it up. It wasn't like like Steel was yeah. uh, was snagging But sometimes
2: you there. need that bounce True, when you 100%. haven't had
1: one all season. Goals a goal for sure. Um I think he's just he's been just as bad as Troy Terry, if not the same yeah. level. Uh, maybe maybe a tiny bit better. Okay. I Same think level, yeah, tiny we, bit better.
2: this is we've agreed on on a lot of things. I think so far this season over at the Ducks, I think this is the one one topic where we've kind of been far apart on, and it's the four kids this year, and then who's been good and who hasn't. Troy Terry for me has been the worst of all four.
1: Max Jones uh, has been the best for me.
2: I, I think the best for me has been Sam Steele i just think you know on a defensive side of the game i think he's looked super comfortable i think he you know he's been reliable he hasn't made too many mistakes he looks like a a solid third line pivot already in the nhl i don't think there's been anything wrong with him you at think that he point. looks like a solid third line pivot already i think so uh, the offense mm. has not been great and no. i can admit that but it's been better than troy terry's he's been better than max jones and he's had a, t- a few chances where either he's hit the post or the the player he's passed it to hasn't finished it. We've seen him on the power play through a couple cross crease passes that's either been whiffed on or missed the net like I think it's one of those cases where a lot of people made a case with this with Max Jones last year, where pucks weren't going in for him, or he was making a pass and, and players weren't putting in the back of the net. I don't think it's as as bad as it was for Max Jones last year, but I think you know their Sam Steele at this point, I think should probably have two or three goals and you know eight or nine assists at this point which would put him at a, a pretty respectable total this year on pace for around 40 to 50 points, which is what I think he could hit. And that's Adam Henrique level of production, right? Like that's what you're, you're kind of expecting 20, you know, 15, 20 goals, 30, 35 assists. I think that's you know what he can do. And I think, you know, this goal hopefully spurs him to getting a few more and the puck luck starts falling for him. But I mean, the defensive the defensive side of the game was always something I wasn't sure if it would translate to the NHL for Sam Steele. He was a, a very good two-way player in junior, but you never know how that's going to go, and you never even know if some of these kids are going to come up and, and play center if they're going to switch to wing. And for Sam Steele to already take to center at the NHL level uh, at the way he has so far has been pretty impressive, and I think he's been solid i i just i i don't have anything bad to say to his game other than i would like him to have a few more points at this point
1: i think he's been okay i think i think at times uh and i know he's what 21 years old these are all young kids that have that have time to to kind of grow into what they need to be in the nhl but they need to really start producing as that that secondary tier of scoring we were so hyped up about these kids all of them coming up into uh, the nhl this year from the ahl and because they played so well there and they, they really got to figure it out here in the second, you know, in the, in the next, I would say, rest of the season. They got to start to turn that a little bit and become that second tier of scoring because there's really is no elite level scoring on this team. And, and I mean, you could say Raquel's right about there. Maybe Silverberg's close to being that. But elite to me is like a 40 goal scorer, right? Like, I don't think these kids... Are potentially going to be that they're going to be the secondary scoring on this team for the long term. Raquel could maybe hit forty, is what I would say. Am I about right there? Would you say that assessment's pretty much correct? These guys are Whoa. these guys are Raquel middle six middle 40? six players. No, I mean these kids are middle six players. And we've always said that, right? None yeah, of these are, think... are high end first line guys. Nothing wrong with that. I just feel like they need to start getting into that role of becoming that secondary tier of scoring because the Ducks just don't have it. So yeah. it, it's been a very actually... slow start for these kids.
2: I actually uh, was uh, over assuming how many games that uh, Sam Steel has played this year. He's only played 18. Uh, most of the Ducks players have played 22, and he's got nine points in those 18 games. So he is on pace on a full season for 41 points, which is right around what I kind of expected or would hope for him. And And, and to be honest, like for a guy who, what, last year he played 22 games. Mm -hmm. So this is his first full season in in the NHL. He's not a high, high draft pick. He's a a first-round pick, a late first-round pick. You know, to say a kid can come into his first full season and score at, you know, half a point per game pace for an entire season and for people not to be impressed with that, like, I think Ducks fans are... Like, they're thinking too much of, of these kids and what they can produce, especially this early on in their career. I mean, we're talking about how young these guys are. Like, Sam Steele's 21 years old. What's, what's how many the prime 21? in
1: today's NHL, though, Ed? I know you and I don't argue very often, but uh, like you but said, we're going to disagree here. Like, the prime, you enter your prime 22, 23 nowadays. It's no yes, longer 28, but, 29, like what it used to
2: be the old school thought. Those are, yeah, I could say that for kids who play in the NHL, like, out of 18 or 19. And have just you know that their 20 what 22 23 year old season is like either their sophomore at their yeah, at the latest or you know their third or fourth season in the nhl and then they're you know hitting their stride because they played a few seasons in the nhl like sam Steele had 22 games in nhl experience going into this year right and A handful of games was jumping up between the ahl and the nhl last year this is his full first run through at the NHL and, and hopefully playing, you know, close to just 75 to 82 games this year. Like there's going to be ups and downs. And I think he's handled it pretty well. Like we having nine points in, in 18 games. And of course I'd like to see more than one goal at this point, but I can't be mad with that pace. Like, What would at this point like if you're looking at Sam Steele and criticizing him for having nine points in 18 games, like what would make you happy for his point totals right now? Like, what would what do you expect him to finish with 50 or 60? No,
1: I I think a successful season for any of these kids is to eclipse, I would say, 40 ish points in between 35 and 45 if they get in in there in their their role. I mean, these guys are not all getting put on the top line. I mean, we see Max Jones playing on the quote unquote top line with Raquel. And gets off as of late, but uh, yeah, I would think anywhere between thirty-five and forty-five points this season would, I would say, is a, is a, su- a successful campaign for these guys.
2: Um, so, what's the knock on on Sam Steele then? Uh, on pace for forty-one to forty-five points?
1: I don't think he's amazing defensively.
2: Like, I don't think that he's what you're talking about when you're talking about a third line pivot. I don't think he's there yet. Uh, and, and, and like, I can, I think, and I agree with you. you Look at the underlying numbers and, and the shot attempts uh, against aren't great. And I, I, I think you know. What is Corsi 4 is around like 44% and expected goals isn't that great either. But I think a lot of that is on this team just being a high event hockey team. And pretty much everybody's is bad except for the usual suspects on the top, you know, in the top six like Ryan Getzlaff and uh, Andre Kasha and Ricardo Raquel and Jakob Silverberg. Like those are the only guys who actually have somewhat positives. And of course, if we look at some of the guys on defense as well. And that's going to happen. I think if you start Sam Steele from the beginning of the season and no change in line mates, if he plays with Ricardo Raquel and Jakob Silverberg from the beginning of the year and Silverberg and Raquel continue to have the seasons there, I think at this point Sam Steele probably has more points if he plays with both of them. And I'm sure his underlying numbers look a whole of a lot, a hell of a lot better playing with those two guys than it is you know switching between line mates and playing with a bunch of different guys to start the year and playing switching to wing at one point and moving all around like that's gonna happen especially when you're playing in the bottom six and you're not getting favorable matchups a lot like that's gonna happen we've seen that for all the kids because pretty much all the kids have played in the bottom six for Mm -hmm. most of the season or have jumped up and down the lineup but like I think you're going to see that and until Sam Steele gets a more stable role playing with some better players and know whether that's next year or beyond maybe we'll see those rise but individually and, and just kind of eye test on, on you know hasn't made too many mistakes defensively looks to make good decisions good simple smart decisions when it comes to exiting the zone and making the first pass and those are the things I'm looking for you know underlying numbers at this point point. I and, and again I'm, I'll be the first one to say you know that's one of the places I look when especially when I'm judging a player defensively but in this case it's not my first go-to, and I think the eye test has to be big, especially when you're looking at Sam Steele's defense so far.
1: Mm. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree on this then. I don't think he's a bad player. I just don't think he's he's at where maybe you think he's at. Um, let's talk about two other guys, though, that are uh, very curious to me why Josh Mahura is scratched in favor of Jacob Larson. Larson's had plenty of time. Uh, to to prove that he could play in this role in, in the in the, uh, the third pair role, and I don't think he's done a good job. I don't think he's done a good job. He, he's played with different line mates or you know, different pairs, uh, different situations, and he just turnovers are bad. Um, he doesn't he doesn't make great decisions with the puck, and he's not driving play. And you look at a guy like Josh Mahura coming in. Why do you think that he's getting scratched over Jacob Larson if you were if you were to try to look at this and and wonder what the hell the coaching staff's doing here what would be your take on it
2: well the pairings they had for the Washington game were Delzado, Fowler Larson Goodbranson, gooley and Holzer uh, at this point the only thing I could I can assume because if you look at the way they've used Josh Maher this this season if they tried to shelter him and give him a lot of offensive zone starts. And, and I honestly just feel like one of the reasons is they probably felt like, especially on the road in Washington against one of the best teams in the league, they weren't going to get too many times to utilize Josh Mahura in that way that's going to benefit him the most. And then you look at Jacob Larson, who started only forty percent of his uh, zone starts in the offensive zone. Primarily, he gets deployed in the defensive zone, uh, usually with Kirby and Holzer. Mm-hmm. That's my assumption is why he got scratched. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you were You know, on the surface. I don't know why you would scratch Josh Meher because I like the way he's played, and I think he could have been a valuable asset uh, in, in any game, but especially this game against the Caps. But if that's what they were going for, I can, I can at least kind of get behind that because I think they were going for a more defensive structure, and you don't want to throw a young kid out there and say, hey, you know, you're going to now be – put, you know, on hot coals and you're going to have to get deployed in the defensive zone a couple times, you're going to be victimized against some of the best players in the league and in Ovechkin and Kuznetsov, and you're going to be put in uncomfortable positions on the road. Like, that's my thought behind it. That's that at least that would be if I had to make up a reason why you would scratch Josh Maher at this point, that would be the only good reason I could actually come up with.
1: Yeah. And I don't even know if that's a good reason. Right. I mean, you, you're you going to play high event hockey against the Capitals. I agree with you. If, that, if you're going to look for a reason, that would probably be it. But uh, maybe the other part of it too is they know what they're going to get out of them. And coaches, I, mean, I know we have this new system, and we have Dallas Akins, and um, I know that uh, we got questioned in—I uh, believe it was in our Discord chat for Patreon. They were like, "Oh, wonder what Pat's going to say about the coaching staff this year because the Ducks aren't doing so red hot." And he crapped all over Randy Carlisle all last year and blamed him for it. Um, it's also. Part of what we're looking at here, if you're going to look at any sort of mistakes, I feel like from from Aikens is, is, you know, the defensive pairs. I I mean, I don't think there's any reason Corbinian Holzer should be playing, you know, every night kind of on a consistent basis. I feel like you should give a kid uh, from the goals. I mean, Benoit, call him back up. Sit Corbinian Holzer. I don't care if you have to switch up what sides they're on. They need to try different things They're in there because Holzer's not been good. Um, nothing you can do about the uh, Branson, he's staying here. And, and you look at uh, Jacob Larson, and not, he's not been good either. Like, why is he being played in favor of Josh Mahara? I don't like that
2: either. I don't, I don't think any yeah. of those
1: decisions are good decisions by the coaching staff.
2: I think yes and no in in terms of bringing players up from the goals. I, I, you know, we talked about Chris Weidman on well, the yeah, why not podcast. Weidman? Yeah, and and I think, you know, in a perfect world, that makes sense and it'd be great. But the goals have their own defensive depth issues as well. They don't, you know, they struggled early on in the season to actually put six defensemen on the ice on a, a, on a reliable basis. And they've kind of finally started finding that consistency and and finding that form that they've been, they've looked really great over the last, I think six, seven, eight games where they've been on a, a pretty hot run. And, and Weidman's been a big part of that. And, uh, you know, I can I can understand not wanting to break that up. Um, and, and, you know, the NHL club definitely does come first. But when you do have NHL players up there in quotes, NHL players and Holzer, Holzer and Good Branson and, and Del Zotto, you, you might as well at that point stick it out with those guys. Because if you call up Wideman, you're going to have to put one of them through waivers if you're going to send somebody down or you're going to have to send down Jakob Larson or Josh Mahara or Brandon Gooley, which you're clearly don't want to do if you want to send a waiver exempt guy down to san diego just to get you know a two-game look or one game look at, at chris weidman is it worth it at that point probably not you know i i, I can i can kind of agree with that in a way i'm, I'm kind of split on that decision because i would love to see chris weidman yeah and what he could do this year especially with the you know the right shot uh weakness that the ducks have with josh manson out but uh, yeah, it's, it's an it's an interesting decision. And I think, you know, on the sense of, of Dallas Akins and, and maybe him messing up the uh, defense pairs this year, I think he's been severely handcuffed with the injuries the Ducks have had, especially to Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson and how long they've been out. But at, at times, Brandon Gooley was also to, to, as well. So it's kind of a tough go to put things together. And I think the big mistake for him is just insisting that Larson and Holzer is going to continue to be that Dude, third pairing. Yes. Maybe just because you don't want to touch it or you don't know what else to do with it and you don't know where else to put them. like that. It, it more so feels like that. I think Dallas Higgins knows it's not a great pairing. I don't think he's putting it out there thinking it's a great pairing. It's more so like, what else am I supposed to do at this point? Like, I got to play Fowler in oh, the top pairing. I would I love to see Fowler and Gooley together. together. I'd like to see them play I, together. I would, but you can't right now. You can't just you can't overload that one pairing, and then play Delzato Zotto with Goodbranson and or you know Larson with Goodbranson and Delzato with Holzer. It's just uh, why you're, you're, why not? You're playing before. Larson
1: and Goodbranson together. It's already a tire fire situation there. I mean, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not, why not try to work this out and uh, and figure out what works? Like they they need to figure out what works and stick with it. And they uh, you can't play the line blender all the time. I know they have injuries. I'm, I'm not saying they don't. But, I mean, this leads us to another situation here. Scoring's down. Troy Terry gets scratched. Um, there's an opportunity here. When we talked about it a little bit ago on another show, Daniel Sprung, Keith Sherwood. Why not try to bring up one of those guys to see how they do um, at the NHL level again? I mean, Daniel Sprung, 52 shots on goal. Uh, this season so far, 14 games, 10 points in those 14 games, three goals, five assists in his last eight games. He, we know he could score at the NHL level, and the Ducks are struggling right now. Uh, do, you, do you think we see Daniel Sprong, I don't know, say before Christmas?
2: I, I think maybe. Um, you know, In terms of we're talking about these roster decisions, I think there are some easy decisions you could make. You know, just uh, uh, we were just talking about defense, but I think, you know, sending like Jakob Larson down, it's not an easy decision to make, but he is waiver exempt. And if you wanted to try Chris Weidman, that's a chance you could do Don't have a problem uh, or that's a that's a move you could make because you could do it for one game. Say, hey, Larson, it's not working out. Same same argument made with Terry. Like, hey, we're sending you down for a game. We're going to test it out with this guy and see how things go. Chris Weidman doesn't have a great game or doesn't you know, look good enough for the one or two games you play him. Send him back down call up Jakob Larson. There's no paperwork that really has to get processed where you have to worry about losing a guy on waivers or whatever. I don't think Chris Weidman would have to clear – he actually might have to clear waivers. So that might be (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> that might be tricky there that that might be one okay so maybe i'm I'm wrong on that one on, on chris weidman that might be a, a tricky situation because he might have to clear waivers and somebody might pick him up the way he's playing especially look at winnipeg picking up uh, lucas pisa off waivers then chris weidman might be a popular guy at this point but but for forwards um you know troy terry is is the easy case i think to get sent down right now over anybody in this roster um you know they sent down maxi comtois with five points in 12 games right you no, know, mm-hmm. I I, I, agree, I agreed with that in the sense he's the only guy who hasn't got considerable time in the AHL and and it can't you know it can only benefit him to play in that league and and get some you know experience down there and see how he does down there, but uh, you know, the same thing could go with Sprong. I, I believe he would have to possibly clear waivers to come back up and he's gone through waivers before to, to get down there. So maybe he doesn't get called up, but, or doesn't get picked up, but he's got what uh, 10 points in 14 games, three goals and five assists in the last eight games for the goals. And he's shooting like 3.7 shots per game. So that's kind of what we hoped for. from Dennis right. Brown. That's what we're used to seeing at times. You know, the inconsistency has been there, but that's what we kind of saw in, in spurts with the ducks last year. So it's not the worst decision to maybe call him up i don't think the ducks want to lose him especially with the forward depth that they that they have down in san diego they i'm sure they would like to keep him down there but i believe key for sherwood is waiver exempt so that could be you know an easy option right there an easy swap and we talked about this on the last podcast just send troy terry down bring Kiefer for up for a game definitely do that he's you know he's it's not like he's not familiar playing in, in in a bottom six role with the Ducks. That's where he played pretty much all of last year when he was up. Was in a bottom six role, and he's a
1: high energy guy, so it's something you want to yeah. have on your team too.
2: Plug him in on the third line with whoever you want to put down there, whether it's Sam Steele or whoever. And see how he does. I think you know right now it it'd be good for both players. It's a reward for Kiefer Sherwood for being one of the top scorers on the goals, and it's like a, hey, a wake up call for Troy Terry saying you got to be better, man, because we've got guys down in the AHL knocking on the door that are playing well and deserve a shot. And, and I think at this point, it'd be good for both players to see something like that happen where Terry goes to San Diego, Sherwood comes up one or two games, whatever, see how it goes. Maybe longer if Sherwood plays well and, and uh, you want to give Terry a longer look in the AHL to kind of get things going. We'll see. I mean, I, right now that's the easy move for me. And then if Weidman doesn't have to clear waivers, maybe you make that move with, uh, with Larson or, or whatever, whatever's the case there. But, uh, I would not mind seeing Sherwood come up and, and Terry going down at this point uh, purely for, for Terry just to get some confidence back.
1: Let's talk about the forward line. That we talk, we're still being on the topic of the kids here. Um, Max Jones has been playing with Ryan Getzloff and Ricard Raquel. Solid night for them numbers-wise, right? They didn't score against the Caps, unfortunately, but they played very well against the Capitals, Um some high event hockey for them. Uh, they didn't have a great game against the Blues, but they scored. Go figure. Up and downs of yeah, the way this that's how in, the way goes, NHL right? works. It's just kind of nutty. How do you feel about, about Jones here? Do you think he's, I mean, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, how do you feel about this line overall? Not a so-so game against the Blues or, or bad, and then a great game against the Caps. Have you gotten any read on how this line is going to go, and do you think
2: that the coaching staffs going to continue to play it? it's early and it's it's literally i think about 16 minutes of ice time over two games at 5 on 5 together so it is a small sample size and we've we've seen two ends of the spectrum like they scored on a not so great night where you know the shot attempts they only they controlled like 25% of shot attempts when they're on the ice which isn't great and expected goals for was south of 45% uh, scoring chances in that game, they had three to, to one again, so that was a little bit better. And they got the goal, so it was kind of a little bit all over the place in, in terms of what they did that game. But the goal they did score against the Blues was a nice goal that was uh, facilitated between Ryan Getzlaff and, and Max Jones.
1: Nice little give and go passing play.
2: Yeah, and you know we thought they looked pretty good in that, and the underlying numbers kind of go against that. But I, I thought they had a pretty good game. And then you go and look at the Caps game, and and not that they weren't noticeable, but you you wouldn't have expected them to have the type of game that they did when you go and look at the numbers and you know, shot attempts they control over seventy five percent of the shot attempts, and you, know, you could sit there and say, hey, well, may, maybe maybe they're matched against the uh, the Caps third line, or you know who, who are they all. playing against? <laughs> well, no, they 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 took the line share of minutes against uh, Ovi, uh, Kuznetsov, and Tom Wilson, and they played they split it evenly between that line. And the Cavs' second line of Jakob Rana, Nick Backstrom, and TJ Oshie, and both of those lines did not score a goal at 5-on-5. Five five. They got outchanced and outshot uh, at 5-on-5 five five by, the, by the Ducks uh, trio of Getzlaff, Jones, and Raquel. And uh, scoring chances four for that Ducks line was five, four, two against while they're on the ice. So this is a line that dominated the top two lines for the Cavs, some of the best lines in the league at this point the way they're producing over over the first what 22 games on the season it's it's again it's a small sample size but it it at least for me is enough to put them together for a couple more games and see how they go like when you're playing it yeah when you're playing that well against some of you know those lines you're you're playing against ovi Kuzi and wilson verona backstrom and oshi and you play that well like, I give it another shot. We've always liked Getzlaff with Raquel at times. You know, back to back thirty goal seasons. Maybe for Jones is that missing that. winger. I mean, but we've seen this before. Did I, have we not? I feel like we've seen this line before at some point.
1: Maybe, but I mean, let me look and see what Jones has on the year as far as shots on goal. Like, is he? If he could start burying these pucks, it might be worth it. I mean, he's seventh. He's seventh on the team in shots at five on five with twenty eight. I mean, he's tied with Jacob Silverberg. So the kid could shoot the puck. If he could figure out the finishing part of those, of those plays, this could be a very valuable line for the Ducks, right? I mean, maybe he's, uh, he's going to be Chris Kunitz to Sidney Crosby here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And,
2: and I think uh, in the later and, stage sh- of, of Crosby's career,
1: it's got soft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And,
2: and, and fire brings up, he says, I don't, in our chat, he says I honestly don't see Jones long-term first That's liner. That's fair. That's fair. And, and yeah. And I don't think Jones is a first liner either, but I think, you know, Pat kind of summed it up pretty well there and how he's like a Chris Kunitz type complimentary player to the top line. You know, Chris Kunitz was never a first liner, but he complimented what Sidney Crosby brought to the game and they worked really well together. And maybe Max Jones can be that type of player, for Ryan Getzlaff and Ricard Riccardo, his style of game works with them. And if he shoots the puck a little bit more and keeps things simple, I I think that would work a lot better uh, with those two guys. I mean, look at the guy who worked the best with Ryan Getzlaff over, you know, almost over a decade was Corey Perry. Kept things as simple as they could get. Get the puck from Ryan Getzlaff and shoot it. And you know worked out pretty well for him. I'm not saying Max Jones is is Corey Perry. No, but Corey that's... Perry was on another level in his prime, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but but that that is the way I think you have to play with Ryan Getzlaff, is you got to keep it pretty simple, especially when you've got a guy like Ricard Raquel who's going to be anything but simple. He's going to be very creative with the puck. You need to keep it simple if you're Max Jones, and I think he started to do that. And I think he could be a complementary piece to that top line. But we need more looks at it. We need you know a few more games to see how it goes. And uh, Max Jones needs to start scoring if he's going to be a part of that line. I think hes they've done pretty well. I mean, obviously, they got the goal. He picked up the assist against the Blues. They had a good game, uh, underlying numbers-wise, against the Caps. And I think Jones heading into the Caps he's, game. He's fourth on the team in high-danger
1: scoring chances for. Like, he's yeah. individual scoring chances. So he's in prime scoring opportunity. He just needs to figure out that finishing ability. And if he's able to complete that at the NHL level – Maybe he can be the guy who's who's making money uh, alongside Ryan Getzloff and
2: Ricard Rucal,
1: right? I mean, that's it, that's yeah. what we hope.
2: Is it luck anymore? Like last year, it was everyone's like, oh, it's just just bad luck. He's gonna, and and I I was one of those people. I mean, he was getting really unlucky last year. Some of the chances that that he wasn't able to convert or was hitting a post or whatever. And, and obviously, we remember when he finally scored his first goal, how happy and relieved he was. But how long? can you do that before it's not bad luck and it's, you know, either a lack of finishing or finishing ability that's just not refined yet. And I think we're starting to get into that territory where that discussion is being had on whether Max Jones is just unlucky. He's getting all these high danger scoring chances, but the goals aren't coming. Then you're starting to get into a territory where, yeah, this guy is great and he can put himself in these positions to get these high danger chances, but he just doesn't have that finishing ability because if he had that finishing ability right now, he'd probably have five or six goals, right? Like he's getting, he's getting the chances. He's clearly creating individual high danger chances. He's just not scoring. And, and, you know, that's what worries me a little bit about Max Jones is maybe he just doesn't have that finishing ability at the NHL level and it might not come. I mean, he's, he's
1: one point shy from his last season total in 30 games of five points. He's at four points now. So not, not the best start for sure. I mean, but he's he's already putting on a ton of shots. But he's on your goal best.
2: Again. Uh, he's your best young player. That's what you said but for me.
1: yep. not the. None of these kids have had a good start, though. None of them, in my opinion, have had a great start. Um, let's talk about. Um, you actually, you know what? Do you want to get to uh, the shootout now, and then get to questions, or how do you want to do that?
2: Yeah, let's go to the shootout. Let's right. go to the shoot. Take it away, Ed. All right. Well, the shootout is, as always, brought to you by Cool Hockey. They are uh, our gracious sponsors. And uh, the shootout, if you haven't listened to the show before, if you're just listening or you haven't heard the shootout segment, it's where we kind of talk some NHL news and tie it to the Ducks a bit. And the biggest NHL news of the day was out of Toronto, which it usually is. And Mike Babcock was fired by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, boy. Uh, essentially fired by Marc-Andre Fleury because he had a game. If you didn't see that save, I don't know if you saw that save last night. The save of the year is what they're calling it. Oh, uh, yeah. across La <laughs> and made a ridiculous glove save. It was three two Ka- Golden Knights at that point. It would have been a game tying goal for the Leafs. Uh, that essentially ended the game for the Toronto Maple Leafs and ended Mike Babcock's coaching tenure with the Leafs. I'm sure if they had won that game, that it might be you know, Mike Babcock might still be coaching in this next game for the Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: Maybe. Maybe. I, I saw something on Twitter that showed uh Fleury getting getting him fired twice. You know, he gets he makes that save at the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> it's like another save and then a save the save he made last night uh against the Maple Leafs there. Just uh put it away for him. I mean, Sheldon Keefe comes in. We've talked about Sheldon Keefe over the summer. He and was one of our top
2: coaching candidates for the Ducks. It was absolutely. him, uh, Ricard Gromberg, and I, I think Dallas Eakins we just had there because he was the obvious choice.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Sheldon Keefe's going to probably do a lot better, I feel like, with uh, with the younger team in Toronto. I, I Don't you feel like that? I, I feel like Babs yeah. is kind of a jackass. Yeah. And uh, we, can get into, we can get into more talk about Babcock on our Patreon show on Saturday. We'll do our Pucks and Brews show there. Uh, yeah, for our but Patreon the, the reason
2: – the reason we're bringing it up uh, and because tying it back to the Ducks a bit is uh, right after he got fired, of course, um, Ducks fans all over Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram or wherever uh, instantly said, is there a chance that um, Mike Babcock might come to the Ducks if the Ducks continue struggling? And uh, Bob Murray wants to win now and fires Dallas Atkins? Uh I'll, I'll just say no like that. There's no way that happens. Maybe at the uh, if. If Mike Babcock got fired at the end of last season, maybe, <laughs> yeah, I maybe. And if maybe he wanted they they to do. come here, he
1: wants to. win a cup! This team is not cup bound. It's not happening yeah. this season. There's no. It's so.
2: Well, why and, and this guy's making a ridiculous amount of money per year? He's still Five gonna mil make that plus. money people saying that he's going to want to get back i'm sure he wants to get back coaching this season as quick as he can but this guy can be as picky as he wants now because he's making money just to sit of and do course. nothing of course so he would pick a team that has a chance of winning and that's not a bite at the ducks i don't think anybody could say that they're on the same level as the leafs or that they're going to be no. a team that's going to be competitive in the playoffs so no mike babcock is not coming to the ducks he's you know Bob Murray is not going to fire Dallas Akins 22 games into the season because the Ducks are a 500 team where I think we all kind of expected them to be. I don't think Bob Murray himself and his wildest you know, predictions would have expected the Ducks to be any bit better than they are now, maybe slightly a few games above 500. But there's no way he thought they were going to be one of the best teams in the Western Conference. So, uh, you know, I don't think uh, in that sense we have anything to worry about.
1: No, this season's all about the kids, and they want a guy who can relate to the kids. That's Dallas Aikens, a younger coach, uh, somebody who knows a lot of these players, um, somebody who has a lot of of respect from these players, too. He's not going anywhere. He's getting this entire season and next season, and I would even argue a third season, unless things just completely collapse in that third season. He's getting all of this year and all next year without getting canned, for sure. This team needs – they're at the point now where they're being built, and – they're in that. They're not in the in the end process. They're not in the very beginning. They're just like a step or two from like the rebuild area, right? Because they don't want to say it's a rebuild, it's more of a retool. But I mean, let's be real here. And we, and we talked about it a bunch. There's no rock star on defense and no rock star on offense. We're like, wow, that's the next Norris Trophy winner. Wow, that's the next
2: Hart Trophy. We don't have those guys on this team. No. And and maybe you have maybe you have that in Trevor Zegers up front. Yep, maybe, he's got a real high ceiling. Yeah, he has he has a very high ceiling, potentially one of the highest ceilings in the draft. even when you're comparing him to Jack Hughes and Capo Cackle and what he could become offensively, but the question is, you know, could he become that? And will he become that? And we don't know yet. But it's nice to at least have that piece in there. But yeah, we don't have that uh, that piece on defense. The Ducks have really never had that piece on defense since you know Scotty Niedermayer and, and Chris Pronger and a Norris potential winning defenseman and. You know, maybe you don't need a defenseman who can score fifty or sixty points to win a Stanley Cup, but you know you need to definitely have more than what you have right Man, now. You don't it's want. It's nice. Uh,
1: nice to have that yeah, for
2: sure. <laughs> yeah, and uh, firebright brings over chances. Zegris and, and Zegris and Tracy both have high ceilings. Tracy's been very impressive so far. Tracy's he, been he, very just got sus- he just got suspended
1: for a headshot, but he'll yes. be back. He'll be back on Saturday. So.
2: he's a bit more raw than what Zegris is. Obviously, Zegris going ninth overall. There's. You know, a bit more to, to what you can expect from him but i think tracy was a nice gem pick later on in the first round so yep. the, the ducks do have some good players and and you know in, in looking at that draft i thought they did pretty well overall i think henry Thrun's a good defenseman who could eventually be a nice four or five for the ducks and and then jackson lacombe is a, is a wild card where he could maybe be a two three if things go really well for him but he was playing high school when the ducks drafted him so the, those guys could develop you know, know. any which way and He's gone over to the NCAA and been not too great, which is it's a tough transition coming from high school and then going to, to the NCAA and, and hoping things go well, right? But um, that that draft is looking pretty good. But, yeah, the, the Ducks don't really have any wow pieces right now other than Zegras to say that they're going to be competitive anytime soon and Dallas Higgins is that type of, you know, that type of coach right now that can help guide you through that transition. There's no way on the top of it, getting back to Babcock that he – would want to come here to the Ducks. No, explore it's, that. it's not happening. Personally, I think he probably goes. I think Bill Peters eventually gets fired in Calgary. And I think Babcock likely goes to Calgary. You know, New Jersey's a team you had mentioned earlier, but I don't think. I don't think he ends up in New Jersey. <laughs> New
0: Let's, Jersey doesn't
2: have his, any better odds than the Ducks to win a cup this year. What do we got next here? What do you want to move to? Uh, apparently, on the topic of the Flames, uh, I don't think it was the Flames are exploring trades for Johnny Goodrow. Uh, But uh, Flames athletic writer Darren Haynes had this quote in one of his recent articles. This article was literally titled, Is it time for the Flames to consider trading Johnny Goodrow? He said, It feels like something of significance has to happen with this club soon to change the core, shake up an underperforming group, and also salvage this season. Perhaps the place to start is the guy who is struggling the most, yet would also command a significant return. Yes, perhaps it's time for Brad Tree Living to explore possibility, trade possibilities for Goodrow
1: so it's not coming to anaheim
2: yeah well yeah let's let's make that clear they're not going to trade him in division but the the flames are one game below 500 which is where we we said they weren't going to be that great this year so it's a nice little feel good i think for for the three of us because i think jason was also kind of on board with that the flames were like I think the, the consensus pick to to not be as good as they were last year, right? But uh, yeah, Johnny Goodrow hasn't been great. Matthew Kachuk has almost taken the top line left wing job from him because of how good Matthew Kachuk's been this year. And not not to, I don't want to really say could the Ducks get Johnny Goodrow. The question I want to ask you is is what would you give up to get Johnny Goodrow, or what do you think it would take to get Johnny Goodrow from the Flames? Oh boy. What would it take to get Johnny Goodrow from the Flames? Oh, I mean, you got to. mind, he's on a $6.25 million yep. contract. He's 26 he... years
1: old. He'll be 27 this summer. Um, I just looked up the stuff on him there. I mean, you're obviously starting with, um, with, a, with like a probably. <sighs> Jesus. You'd have to start with a guy who could come in and fill a, fill a role right away. So you're, you're looking at. Um, Andre Kasha is going the other way, and then you're looking at prospects. It's going to be a heavy prospect return. I mean, they might even ask for someone like Zegers uh-huh. and 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 other and, and maybe. Another pick down the line there. But it's not going to be this, oh, you know, trade him for Ricard Raquel and we'll call it a day. It's it's not going to be something like that. This guy had 99 points last season, 84 points the season before. He's definitely between 60 and 80 points the last several years of his career. Uh, he's got 18 points in 24 games this season, which is,
2: by the way, more than anybody on Anaheim. So it's not yeah
1: it's not, he's not horrible. I mean, this,
2: to say it, a player struggling that has 18 points in 24 games means you're, you're held to elite standards.
1: Yeah, I, I I have a very hard time understanding why they they think you need to trade this guy. I don't think you move him if you're the Flames. There's other players to move if you're if you're Brad Tree living. I don't think there's. Well, any- it,
2: I think the point of this is if you if you're the Flames and you're looking to shake something up right now, moving a superstar on your team would likely do that. And I think the only one you can move is Johnny Goodrow. I don't think you move Sean Monaghan uh, because, you, you know, he's a center and they don't really have many options at center after him. It goes from Monaghan to Backlund and you're not moving Matthew Kachuk. Like that's clearly obvious. That's the guy you should not move. If anybody's untouchable on that team, it's Matthew Kachuk above everybody else, including Johnny Goodreau, uh, you're then, you Then defense, there's no point in touching it. Like you're not going to move the captain. You're not going to move anybody else on, on that blue line either. So really the only place you can shake it up is Johnny Goodrow. So I get the sense of why Darren wrote this article and, and I don't think it was clickbait. I think there was actual merit behind it. And you know, the only way you're gonna shake up this team right now is either fire the coach or trade Johnny Goodrow. You know, that's that's the only way you make a big shake up on this team. So I, I get the sense behind it, but no, if you're the Flames, then yeah, I, I think you know. Firebright said Raquel Terry in a first. I think that's probably where you start at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bring in a player like Raquel, who's a 60, 70 seventy-point player at the very best. Probably you know more so a sixty-point player who could possibly get thirty goals. And then you kind of add a prospect to that, like a you know an A minus B plus level prospect like Troy Terry. And yeah, then but you can we the talk about the fans. Flames goaltending here for a second? They have two backup goalies
1: on this team. David Riddich and Cam Talbot are, are both backup quality cam talbot i think it's sub 900 um and david ridgich is like 913 these guys are not great goaltenders they're not getting saves either i mean let's not pretend this team is yeah. terrible because yeah, it,
2: it's not yeah they're not losing because johnny Goodrow is not performing at a 99 point pace that, no. that's definitely not it they the goal scoring for them is down in general which we, I, it was so obvious to predict this year and i think again i'm not saying i'm the only one who predicted i think everybody predicted the flames would not score at the pace they're they did 18th last in year. scoring right now right That's... yeah and they were top three for most of the season last year top five for most of the season last year so it was, it was clear that they were eventually going to come back down to earth but yeah I, I think if you're the ducks and you were looking to get johnny goodrow if it could ever happen i, I think it it starts at ricard raquel because the flames want to be competitive this year they'd be making that trade to get a player or a couple players back that could still make them competitive. Like you bring Ricard Raquel in the mix and no, he hopefully would click with either Monaghan or Backlund, and would provide a similar production to what Johnny Goodford does. And then you would hope to bring in another player, whether it's Troy Terry or, you know, somebody else and, and hope that, uh, that that also would kind of supplement some scoring loss from Johnny Goodrow, and then the first round pick is just kind of a bonus. And I think if you were the Ducks at this point, that would obviously be top ten predicted because you don't know where they would finish, even with Johnny Goodrow on the team. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it it would one thing to say it would never happen, but to, to speculate what kind of deal that would be, I think that's what you'd probably end up being around. Yeah, that's probably what it
1: is. It's too high of a price to pay, and this team is in no hurry this season to become any sort of contender if goudreau gets traded it's going to be i think to somebody who's going to be willing to pay heavy
2: to give him for a, a win now situation what about uh, this is the one i kept seeing a lot of because taylor hall's from calgary and johnny Goodrow's from new jersey uh one for one of taylor hall for for uh johnny Gaudreau. or some maybe the the devils give up a little bit more because taylor hall's on an expiring contract but mm. uh, i, I, I can see that I, that's not as far-fetched as as it you know, as it comes, it's across not it. that nutty. No, I could see that
1: probably happening if if they were able to work that out. But I mean, just bring send them <laughs> to the two
2: boys home, send Johnny
1: Goodwill back. <laughs> Goodrow, do you want <laughs> to go to a dumpster and... fire in New Jersey? But I mean, there's some New positives Jersey, that are still that there. Know, right? Well, they need goaltending. Think... Both these teams,
2: need, both those teams, need a lot of goaltending, and they don't have a lot of goaltending. I mean, I can honestly like that does not make horrible sense to me. I think if you're the Flames, you want to get back a bit more because. I think on the on a you know value level, I think they're worth the same. I think just the the age, I think, is where you kind of get caught on. I think Johnny Goodrow's twenty four, Taylor Hall is twenty seven, right? So right. maybe you want like a third or a second. Goodrow's twenty six, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, maybe not. Maybe no, it is closer a in age. Yeah, just looks like he's twelve. So I just kind of <laughs> added six to that, and the- he uses an intermediate hockey
1: stick. That's why.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know, even maybe uh, because of the contract situation that like Goodrill's on a, a good contract and Hall's on an expiring contract, that maybe New Jersey has to add a little bit more to that. But either way, like that, that's a deal that honestly makes a little bit of sense to me. Is you know, shake things up on both sides of the table. Both teams are struggling, and again, the home the hometown aspect comes into that. And obviously, both players would have to be willing. But I, I would assume that Taylor Hall would not mind going back to Calgary and, and just uh, grill in the Oilers like a few more times. <laughs> and uh johnny Goodrow, you never know I, I don't know personally how he feels about going home and playing for new jersey but uh that that could be an interesting trade i think that would work for both teams yeah it definitely would and it's something that both teams would probably take to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move into our fan questions uh so we uh we can get out of here in the next 10 minutes or so
1: all right cool let's uh start with david Roska. Uh, he says uh, Sprong comes up to the Ducks. We both said that we see that happening. I asked you before Christmas, you said maybe. I I think you still see him this season, don't you, though?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think you see him if injuries happen. But if, if the whole waiver thing comes into play, uh, I don't think the Ducks you know, clearly want to lose him for nothing. And I think at this point he's, he's pretty helpful to San Diego and their cause down there. So I think if you have to see him, you see him because of injuries or because you called him for Sherwood and things didn't work out with him. Uh, and then maybe you go down to Daniel Sprung there. Uh, but I, I, I don't think we see him before Christmas.
1: Garrett on Twitter says, What do you think is more likely, a top three finish in the Pacific or a top five finish in the lottery draft?
2: That's tough because the Pacific Division is weird this year. Um, personally, I, I... I see a third-place finish. If you're going to say top three, I'm going to immediately divert that to third-place finish in the Pacific. Uh, I, I think more likely you finish third in the Pacific than finishing top five uh, in the lottery, and, and I mean, like, finishing bottom five. Not the lottery is gone and you jumped up from 13 to five. I mean, like, the Ducks finished with the fifth-worst record and and had a lottery pick. I, I think finishing third in the Pacific is more likely I don't think they're that bad. Like, look how bad Ottawa is this year. Look how bad Detroit is and, and L.A. and mm-hmm. Minnesota. Like, the Ducks aren't as bad as those teams. Not this year.
1: No, I mean, Arizona's playing really good hockey right now. Edmonton's playing, I mean, that's, okay, hold on. McDavid and Drysaddle are playing really good hockey right now. They're, they're playing 1980s-era scoring hockey right now. Uh, Vegas is pretty good. Vancouver has not been so great after a pretty good run there. They've had a pretty crap past 10 games. Um, the Ducks are three points out of third the Pacific Division. So not entirely going to say that they're a playoff team, but they're closer to that than not.
2: Yeah, but they're also what? Four points out of being the fifth worst team in the league right <laughs> like it's 17 18 20 20 points, points is fifth worst there, there are two points out of being the fifth worst place in the team in the league 20 points right now is fifth worst place team in the league because uh la has 17 uh detroit has 17 new jersey has 18 and minnesota has 18 and then the fifth worst teams in the league are tampa new york and columbus with 20 so the ducks are only two points out of being the fifth worst team, and they've played four more games than the Lightning, three more games than the Rangers, I guess two more after tonight. But they're and only two points two out of the wild clubs. card
1: spot right now. So. Exactly.
2: So it's a log jam everywhere, and it's, <laughs> it's early to say that. But I, I think they're more likely to finish third in, in the Pacific than to finish with the top five lottery pick.
1: All right, so Joey G all, writes to us, what do you guys reckon will happen against the Caps at Honda Center December 6th? How do you feel about that game, Ed? Do you think we see fireworks? Do you think it's gonna be back to what hockey's become and there's no more bad blood?
2: No, I think we see a fight, uh, probably between Hathaway and Good Branson. I don't think it's over between them. I don't think they want it to be settled by a suspension. Uh or somebody fights Hathaway. I think somebody is fighting Hathaway no matter what if Goody, it's Goody, Deloree or Richie. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Delorie plays in that game, even if he's been scratched once prior just because of this. But, <laughs> he's just going to give it. Yeah, of course. He just has to. Uh, well, one question before you go to the rest from uh, Instagram and Twitter. We had one in the chat. I just want to get to it before you forget yep. it. Uh, Firebite said, do you see Miller being traded at the deadline to a contender who needs a quality backup?
1: Yeah, I do. I do see that being a situation. I really do. Yeah, he's taking it season by season. And I think it would be ni- a nice gift to the do- from the docs to a team, or to Ryan Miller especially. Um, as long as he doesn't go to the Sharks or something like that?
2: Uh, I don't. Uh, Last year I did, and he didn't do it last year, and then he re-signed with the Ducks, and knowing that they weren't going to be a competitive team this year, so I I think he simply is here to stay here. I I don't think he gets traded at the deadline. We'll see. It's up to him, right? uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it's up to him, then no. If the Ducks say, hey, we want assets, and we're going to trade you, and you have no say then they, they uh, do it's that doing them dirty, I don't, doing not dirty. I, yeah, do I, I, don't think, I don't think they would do that. But that's the only way I think he gets traded at the deadline is if they do it that way.
1: And what are our predictions for both the Sunshine State games, meaning Florida Thursday and Tampa Saturday? Florida's a tough one, second-highest scoring team in the NHL. And let's yeah, not forget, like Tampa's that. pretty damn good, too.
2: Well, yeah, Tampa's also fifth-worst team in the league right now. <laughs> right
1: i i I hope if they're gonna lose it is thursday and they win on saturday at our watch party that's uh that's my prediction
2: (laughs) yeah tampa tampa and florida uh tampa and and the panthers are also um you know two high scoring teams panthers are what you said what's third highest scoring team Uh, in the league and second in the league tampa's fifth in the league and their power play is second um you know they've blown out a couple teams they blew out the rangers nine to three and they've lost their last two against winnipeg and st louis so it's kind of a mixed bag for for the lightning this year defensively and, and especially in net vasilevsky has not been uh the goaltender over the last couple of seasons which is nice to see on our part because we we all believed he was better than uh, john gibson was better than vasilevsky and that's mm-hmm. kind of been proven a bit this year Jason. but uh yeah, yeah, I guess so, Jason. But realistically, I think Florida's going to be the tougher game the way they're playing right now. But you can never count out the Lightning. And the way, you know, Stamkos and Kucherov and Braden Point could hurt you, you can't take them lightly even though they're sitting, I guess, still at a worse record than the Ducks are at this point. Hilarious. Yeah. I, I You can't take
1: either one of these guys Lightning, or any one of these teams lightly for sure. Um, let's... Get to john arlotti he says do you think the ducks are in line for getting taylor hall that's an absolute no we've talked about this a lot on the show off and on uh he's not coming to anaheim there's no way this guy wants to win anaheim's not in win now mode
2: it would would cost the ducks way too much to to get a player like that it's an extension that i don't think uh the ducks can either afford yeah he's gonna get eight nine million dollars yeah, for for seven seven years, I don't think the Ducks would want to do that. So uh, that that's why I think it's a no. I think it's, you could make it work. I think you know asset wise, you could make it work if you're the Ducks. I just don't think they'd want to go down that road. And the, the extension and the amount that it would cost, I don't think that makes sense. So
1: Grillmaster Gill, great great name by the way, says at the halfway point of the season, what will be the major storyline of this team? Um, I think it'll be the success of the kids. That, that's the storyline for the season. Dallas Aikens' new coaching staff um, it comes in and gets rid of the gold on with the new. They're playing a bunch of young guys in heavy minute roles with high expectations. And I think that we're going to be talking about the success of the kids from now until the end of the year. I think that's the main storyline this year for me.
2: So I'm just struggling to to get the question. So does he mean at game 41, what is the storyline going to be at that point?
1: Yeah, at the halfway point, main storyline
2: man um i i I think it's going to be the health of the blue line honestly um i think not to say the ducks would be a a significantly better team at this point but i think they would have won a few of those games if they had hammers Lindholm, and josh manson playing for the entire year and they were able to put Gooley with uh, with fowler which i don't think they've even had to do for one game so far because of injuries i think if you have that stability on your blue line the ducks look a a whole of a lot better right now so i think if by that point you know they're still struggling or they started turning things around i think the the storyline at that point is is the injuries that they had suffered up until that point on the blue line
1: yeah no that, that could definitely be the case too we would i would love to see how soon Hampus let and josh josh manson get back uh final question of the night and before i get to it if you're listening to the show and you made it all the way to the end uh and you're not in our chat on twitch you're listening to this the next day we would love to hear from you join us on twitch where every wednesday every sunday around 7:30 p.m pacific time on on wednesday and sunday's kind of in the afternoon ish maybe morning but uh, we go live every time um uh, we're trying to hammer down more consistent time on sunday but we all three got family so it's tough to do but uh, we'd love to hear from you hop in on twitch um and if you can't do that send us a question we ask for your questions um as much as we can we love we love being able to give our input on those and we appreciate
2: the feedback but uh yep. nick webb yeah wednesday sorry wednesday oh, and sunday as long as there's not a ducks game yes uh, otherwise yep. it will be tuesday or saturday usually so we try to move it
1: around we don't want to we put put a content out the same day as a ducks game for sure and it kind of ruins our show um nick webb a quarter into the season and the ducks are second in the league in penalty minutes what needs to be done to turn this around or with dallas akins whose teams in san diego were always highly penalized will this just be the way the team plays during his tenure so I did a little homework on this. Dallas Akins' uh, penalty minutes with the goals as a team—they were fifth in the league in 2016, seventeenth in the league in 2017, eighteenth in the league in 2018, and and tenth or ninth in the league in 2018, and tenth in the league in 2019. So, yes, they're top ten in penalty minutes all except for one season. Um, do you think this is a coaching thing, or how do you feel?
2: Um, I, we've seen this extend over years and years different coaches in anaheim where there's been a discipline discipline (laughs) problem but i think it's uh i think and i said this before even with randy carlo i think it's a mix i I think it's coaching style and the the players you have and the mindset and and the play style you have of of some of the players you have in the system i mean you look at ryan getzlaff and obviously nick ritchie and, and you know you still Bringing and Bob Murray, it gets partially the blame as of this. Still bringing in players like Nick DeLore and and Carter Rowney, and you know, I, I think uh, I think I think there's the blame can kind of go around for this, and and it would be a while I think before the Ducks aren't in the top five or top ten in penalty minutes at the end of the season. I think you've got to kind of complete this transition and bring in a, in a whole new set of players. And once we see some of the old guard moving out, then maybe we see this change. But I don't think too much of it has to do uh, with Dallas Aikens, because again, you know, Bob Murray isn't necessarily putting together this team in San Diego, but he does have his fingers on it with whoever the Ducks draft and, and whoever's available to go down and play there. And you know, if you're bringing in players who, who are trying to fit the same system the Ducks have for a long time, then you're going to have discipline issues. So I, I think it's you know there's a whole lot of things that go into that and being a heavily penalized team in the league. Uh, and a lot of it falls in the GM, the coaches, the players. I think the blame kind of goes around through everybody.
1: Yeah, and there's always been like a history, like you said, a history of hotheads on this team. I mean, I mean Gatzloff's had his moments, Corey Perry, Ryan Kessler, Kevin Bieksa. I mean, now you got Gabranson, you got Nick Ritchie, uh, Delorier as you mentioned, Holzer gets nasty sometimes like that. Uh, you're going to see these guys. It's, it's a management mentality, and ownership mentality. They like that rough style of hockey. This wouldn't be so bad if the special teams were good that's the biggest flip side of this problem is the pk has not been outstanding and the power plays we all know is just i don't know what to say about it
2: anyway it's it's beyond trash. is is 19th after starting the season in the top 10 and the power plays 30th trash just pure trash yep yeah Yeah. in terms of being penalized obviously the pk comes to the forefront and uh you know it it was relying heavily on goaltending at the beginning of the year and that really hasn't uh hasn't saved them over the last little bit. And the penalty kill set up as a whole just hasn't been great. I think again, as as much as we've talked about the power play, I think the ducks have the right players in place to have a pretty decent penalty kill, especially when you have a goaltender like John Gibson, but things just haven't worked out. And, you know, if that's the, the, you know, the guys who've been in charge of the power play over the last couple of years have been pretty much the same. We've still have the same coaches in place uh, that were in place under Randy Carlisle. So, Maybe a guy needs to come in. The Columbus Blue Jackets are looking at uh, Paul McClain to come in for their power. <laughs> the play. Walrus. He's coming back yeah, to the NHL. So, so maybe the Ducks need to go get him. I mean, yeah. when the Ducks had him last, as Jason always likes to mention, the Ducks had the best power play and best penalty kill in the league. So Don't know why he ever left. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe we have to bring him back.
1: So we'll look at uh, one more question here. Coach Blood, or Shane, as he doesn't want anyone to know his name, uh, says, how many more years do you think Getsy has in him, and do you guys welcome him to stay I do. He's uh, Tameus solani esque in my eyes when it comes to that. He stays as long as you want, year by year. He's got this season and next season on contract and uh, no move clause. But Getzloff, I believe he is one of those guys that says he doesn't he doesn't want to play into his forties. He doesn't want to be the old guy. He doesn't want to be as much as we would like to relate him to, like a Joe Thornton. As Joe Thornton. With playing with no knees, all these injuries, you know. It's, it's, that's yeah. not Getzi's life. He, he wants to enjoy his time when he's done. I think we maybe see one contract after this one and he's done.
2: Yeah, I, I think we see either a one or a two year deal after after this current contract's done, and that will kind of give you a sense on on what he's thinking and how long he's got left. and And I think even you know, even if he signs a one or a two year deal after this next one, I, I still think he sits down at the end of that deal and, and makes another kind of decision on whether he's fully and completely done. Obviously, you know it's an important decision to make, and, and I'm sure Ryan gets left. as much as he doesn't want to be that old guy in hockey, he also doesn't want to hang it up too early, right? So right, I think they'll be a lot that goes in that decision but but at the max you know i, I think ryan gets probably three or four more years the max i could see is five i can't see him playing any more than five seasons and that's including this one so
1: yeah so including this season it's his 15th year um his yeah. 10th is captain he's uh he's done a lot he's done a lot for this organization and done a lot in this league and done a lot in hockey i mean international hockey too this guy's a winner
2: um, yeah, he's not see... going to go anywhere else. He's, no. the, I, 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 he's not going to be that guy that no, I think, he wants to you want. Know, and I'm sure he would love to win another cup, but I just I can't see him at this point doing that. No, and going out and playing for another team to just try and win and going to a contending team and taking a, a you know, less of a role. Like I think when he gets to the point on the Ducks where he's no longer a top six or even you know, a top line center. I think that's when he's going to really start to contemplate not playing anymore. But yep. right now, he doesn't have to worry about that because he's not going to get his job taken by Sam Steele or Adam Henrique. But maybe if Trevor Zegers develops into a center and starts to push him for that job and, and you know becomes the player we all hope Trevor Zegers could be, uh, that might be you know in a couple seasons. And when Ryan Getzleff starts to really contemplate whether he's, he's going to either hang up the skate to play you know, one more year.
1: Yeah, then we'll see what happens with him at the end of next season. Um, I think that's it for us tonight. Uh, real quick, for anyone logs off, uh, if you're live with us, uh, if you're in Orange County or if you want to make a trek from outside Orange County, come hang out with us at Lampost Pizza this Saturday in West Yorba Linda. Jason and I will be there. Ed, for some reason, he can't make it down. Uh, he's living with the Eskimos right now and polar bears and all that stuff. He can't get on a plane, it's too cold. So, yes, please come hang out with us at Lampos Pizza. We got the Tampa Bay Lightning watch party game. Um, we'll be there. Good times, good pizza, good beer, good uh, good food in general, not just pizza and the other stuff there as well. So come hang out. Hopefully the Ducks pull out a victory and uh, come kick it with us. Um, Patreon, people, those of you listening, we will be doing the Pucks and Brews show Saturday around 11 a.m. Pacific time. So that's what we're looking to do. If you guys can join us. And for those of you who don't know, you can become a Patreon member. Go to patreon.com slash puckguysforevermighty. And uh, you'll able to find out our tiers there and what we can give back to you for supporting the show. And one of those is two extra shows a month. One's a rant show where we kind of rant about uh, anything and everything, mostly hockey, mostly Ducks. And then this one's the fun one. Come drink with us. We drink live on the show on YouTube in a private stream. So I'll chill in there and have some beers. They'll be coming this Saturday.
2: Anything else you want to toss in here, Ed, or are we good to go, my friend? I think we're good to go. I think we'll be back. Uh, no Ducks game on Sunday, right?
1: No, just Saturday. So the next podcast will be on Sunday, the regular show. Okay, real quick, Firebites—he's been very active on uh, on our stream. He's got one more question. If you take either, who would the next captain be? If uh, you know after you're talking about uh, of, uh, after off leaving,
2: you said Fowler, uh, or Lindholm, in Chat. Is yeah, that you Fowler, think? Fowler, Fowler, or Lindholm? I mean, I know some people. Th- would throw Josh Manson in there too, but uh, I think Fowler probably top of my list on who it could be. And and again, I'm kind of reluctant there too. I don't think the Ducks really have a suitable captain to go after Ryan Getzlaf right now. And maybe you know in three or four years we have another player who kind of molds into that and, and becomes that player. But you know up front uh, as as for forwards, I don't think we really have that guy right now. Like. Can't think of a Ford who who could really be a captain at this point. I don't think Ricard Raquel, uh, Silverberg, Henrique, Steele, Jones. It's too early my, for my them. Pick,
1: my pick was Josh Manson.
2: Mine was Manson. If, if he if he doesn't get traded, he's he's the next captain here. That that would be my third. Um, I I think for me it goes Fowler, Linton Manson. Uh, I think that's kind of the thought process I had. But even then, like I'm I'm super skeptical skeptical about either of them having it uh, and whether it could work out for them or not. Um, Fowler, Fowler just seems like the guy for me. You know, obviously, he's had the A before. He's or, beloved he's, here, too. So. One of the elder statesmen here. He's going to be. Or even you know, Adam just...
1: Henrique. Henrique
2: could do it. Uh, no, I don't think Adam <laughs> Henrique could do it. Did he captain no the Devils at any no point? Did he? Uh, I don't Did think he? so. I don't
1: think so. It's Manson. Josh, he's going to get the captaincy as long as he's here after Getzloff, is what I think.
2: Right, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe it's uh, Trevor Zegres. We don't know.
1: Oh boy, that's that's a good that's a that's a good one. I don't think so though. I don't think he's going to get. No, to neither do I. Game. But that's uh, four or five years down the road, who knows? Who knows? All right, guys, thanks for joining us. We will talk to you soon. Uh, stay tuned for us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We always post news on there. And again, Patreon people, thank you for the support. And hope to see you all at the watch party. It's we're we gonna be like, tweet it out again this week. It'll be on Instagram again if you missed the location. But it's West Your Belinda Lampost Pizza. Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Talk to you guys then.